Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 249 on Tuesday, the 16th of April, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And on this week's show, we'll be talking about how we continue to look back before we can really move forward when it comes to emissions. Also, we discuss a detection scheme that isn't really going to detect that well. And we congratulate the idiots of the UK who have led to a more average speed cameras being installed. But first, we have some follow-up. And as I've just hinted, it's Dieselgate. And this time, this is quite a big one, actually, if you happen to be uh, somebody from Volkswagen, an executive, and you're in Germany. Because Mark Martin Winterkorn, even if I could speak properly, again, oh, anyone who think we did a podcast, who, if you you yeah. will all remember very well, is the ex CEO of the VW Group, along with four other executives, has been charged with fraud by German prosecutors in the city of Braunschweig. Schweig, I think. I assume so. That's. This is the first time I've had to say that one, unfortunately. So, although I am getting more confident with my German pronunciation, <laughs> but what they what they are saying is that uh, they violated competition laws by not disclosing the fact that there was manipulation software in the diesel engines, and they failed to stop more of the software being installed in in engines that were going to be sold on so once they knew or declared they knew of it. So, uh, that's not great. No. Did you include in that the, the the claim that he approved a software update? No. Which cost 23 million euros and it was declared as useless. Uh, I'm quoting James Atwood from Autocar here. Useless but served to, inverted commas, continue obscuring, close inverted commas, the use of the defeat device system. Wow, that's I horrific. Know. Considering it's supposed to be this lone engineer, if we remember back to the origins of this. So we've gone from, in the space of three and a half years, lone engineer to the CEO of the group approving mm. the thing that will hide it even further, allegedly. <laughs> Prosecutors from Braunschweig are continuing to investigate 36 more defendants, according to this story, yet to decide to charge them. But the indictment so far, supposedly, and I'm quoting this Autocar article, uh, supposedly covers 692 pages with an additional 300 file volumes featuring 75,000 more pages to explain the charges. So it's obviously really, really simple. And would explain the we're three and a half years down the line and we're getting to this point because we raised that question a couple of weeks ago. It was just last week, yeah. When, uh, particularly when it's talking about investigating the phone calls that were uh, recordings they'd only just found yeah or were only just declaring well i think it goes to show that the level of information that the prosecutors have had to wade through has just been immense yeah. so yeah we, we uh, kind of knew that, that was the case as well yeah anyway from from our old friend follow up to our newer long term person staying yeah. on the couch even though we invited them to pop and see us once yes uh carlos Ghosn has had his detention i was trying to think of some other witty way of putting that but i can't think of one right now uh 
his detention period extended by another eight days until April the 22nd, uh, giving the prosecution that time to bring formal charges against Gohan or let him go again. I mean, remember, he's already spent 108 days in, in jail so far. And that was at the same hearing where they, his lawyers had applied for the second time for him to be released on bail, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. This was to do with him being rearrested. Uh, was that just rearrested last week? Hang on. April the 4th, yes. Yeah, so we covered that the week before about him being rearrested. Yep. Uh, and another reason that the lawyers for Gone brought this, the appeal uh, in again was, first of all, because they declared this an illegal arrest. But because so, I mean, he really has got an aggressive team now. But yeah. the other the other thing is as well is they wanted it to be formally acknowledged what the charges were going to be, because it was. It seems you can arrest someone without declaring really why you, they've been arrested. It under works the in Japanese a different legal order. system. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have to uh, watch that one whether he is formally charged or whether he's let out on the twenty second, but. They're not being given time and time and time again this time. So No, no, it's been very clear on it. So 22nd is what, start next week? Yep. Yeah. Right. New news, although it's not new. <laughs> well, it's not like really, it's is new. it? It's, it's a run-on from Dieselgate, isn't it? So this is, And this is going to be super quick. Yep. The KBA, which is the Motor Vehicle Authority in Germany, is investigating Mercedes-Benz over 60,000 GLK SUVs which I don't think we ever got over here. No, we didn't. Which is a shame because that was one of their better looking ones. I always it's one thought. of the cool square. It was the cool square one. Yeah. Which they only ever made in left hand drive. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. But this is to do with uh, in inverted commas in this auto uh, European auto news article. Automotive news Europe, even. Yes. We'll get that. that. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm struggling tonight. I do apologize, everybody. Uh, but this is to do with the 220 CDI cars that were built between 2012 and 2015, that they would only ever meet emission limits when certain functions were activated, it is alleged. So (laughs) we're investigating this. But we need to remember this is on the back of, even though Mercedes hasn't been properly dragged into the Dieselgate thing, they've still had to recall 3 million vehicles to update software over nitrogen oxide emissions. So they've kind of got away with it. Well, and of course, there's the uh, collusion charges between them and BMW and and Volkswagen as well on emissions technologies, but which they're expected to get away with more lightly on for blowing the whistle on the whole thing should it exist. Yeah, it it it's just not not a good look from the German manufacturers at the moment. The German auto industry is not having an easy time of it right at the minute, and if they are doing all these things, quite rightly. I agree. Anyway, talking about Dieselgate and some of the ramifications, WLTP and real figures for MPGs. We, we keep talking about what's happening and everybody's being prosecuted and, and, and all the awfulness and legal wranglings and this kind of stuff. But one of the outcomes of this for us as a consumer has been a, a different set, a different, more realistic set of testing, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. That's caused some confusion in the way that it has been, you know, taxation rates have been changed in advance of these and just UK government being UK government at the minute, really. Uh, Where am I going with this? Oh, yes. What car? (laughs) It's a 
story in front of me on the screen, Alan. Come on. Uh, but what car have been doing some investigation? They do a true MPG test. The outcome of this year's round of testing, based on a 15-car sample or so that they've done so far, is that actually the official fuel economy figures are closer to reality than ever before. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that on average, the fuel economy that the vehicles get is 4.9% worse than claimed. Which, you know, isn't really that bad given the huge disparities that have been in the past between some of the downsized engines in smaller cars. Yeah. But what we do have to take into account, though, with this, what we do have to take into mm. account here is there are some cars, because this is an average, so we have to remember that, some cars are doing better than their official test figures. And obviously that will conversely mean that some are doing significantly worse and it balances out that it's 4.9 percent but i agree the step is in the right direction Uh, one of the things that makes me laugh about this article that is linked in the show notes is that it appears the what car true mpg is sponsored by the nissan leaf and the picture at the top of the screen is for a Polestar. <laughs> so. I know, I know. I don't know quite what's happening with the Haymarket picture editors at the minute because they're they're a bit rubbish. I mean, the worst, uh, the the worst. So they they did this across fifteen cars, which yeah. is not you know the widest sampling ever, but it's pretty reasonable. But the worst behaving uh, compared to official economy and true MPG was actually the Volvo V sixty D four. Well, and it was that... 21.4% below what it should have been. That, it was still 38.3% um, That actually reminds me. I saw something go through on Twitter saying about how Volvo's uh, emissions and MPGs are not brilliant, actually. And it was in the real world um, mm-hmm. circumstances. But I can't remember who had tweeted that out and what the article was about. But it, it, it just that just gave me a right trigger on that because I was surprised to hear that. I see that fifth worst or 11th best from this the, was the, oh no, that's the C4 Cactus Pure Tech 110. Sorry, I thought it was the C2. Uh, I was going to comment on, which is 11% down. 320Ds, 13.1% down, but it's an auto. So so yeah, there's there's a couple there which, which don't do so well. At the other end of the scale... Charge your glasses if you're going to go for number one. Yeah. At the <laughs> other end of the scale, they reckon the absolute best, which was 10%, 10.3% above the official MPG, was the was the latest 2-litre um, Mazda MX-5, which, I, I mean, whenever I owned one, I kept on saying that it ran on magic beans. He's, he's waving his remnants of his pint up towards the, the webcam. But even I said at the time that it ran on magic beans. You did, yes. You know, even up there in the best, there are one, two, three. Yeah, three out of the top five are Volkswagen Group cars. Um, Skoda Carox, Superb Estate, and a Seat Ateca. Yeah. Two petrols and a diesel, so that's that's interesting to see. And the Nissan, Nissan Qashqai, actually, because the 1.3 petrol engine was brought in, three-cylinder petrol engine was brought in specifically to help with their figures mm. wasn't it and it looks like it yeah. has done that job well it's official fuel economy is 39.8 uh miles per gallon and the true mpg figure that what car i've got is 41.3 so that's 3.8 percent better 
No, but but I th- I think this is an excellent thing that what car do. You know, you know yeah. that we we do compliment what car occasionally on things like. You know, we've I've said we before, do do it quite often. I've said before, and they that, bought you dinner. Well, yes, they did buy me dinner, but uh, even before that, though, uh, hmm. that their used car cars of the year is one of the most important car of the year awards yeah. out there because that's the one that most people will look at and use. Well, and doing this is what, what the, cars the, are meant to do, isn't yes, it? Yes, this is for the cons- definitely for the consumer, and yeah. it is targeted for people who are looking to buy and have a particular needs and. They want a source to find this information. So, well done, what car you've you've hit the nail on the head with this one. And I really like this true MPG that they do. It's all right. They'll they'll buy you dinner again next year if you keep on like this. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Moving on now. This time, are we going to move off emissions and fuel economy? Yes, but we'll go to one of my triggers. Cybersecurity oh, cars. There's a whole bunch of them. Tonight. Connected cars. Yes, there are a few actually. <laughs> I've calmed down since I put them in the uh, running order. But this yeah. is that there is a, uh, a government-backed consortium have been brought together, government-funded actually consortium of cybersecurity and automotive uh, industry experts, Roki. Horiba or H O R I B A, Mira, Ricardo, Thatcham Research, and Axilium Research. Horiba Mira is the company that owns the Motor Industry Research Association. Okay, cool. Well, they've all been brought together, or they've they've come together to try and help create a framework of which the automotive industry in this country will use to show how secure and safe their vehicles are when it comes to cybersecurity and general security. So at this stage, there is a white paper out there that you can download if you click through the links on this Roki uh, or Roke. What, I, I don't know how you pronounce the name, so I'll, I'll go with Roki. With this Roki uh, website that you can click through and you can fill in some details to download the white paper and have a look through and comment on. I am presuming they're going to do it along, and I think they hint about this, they're going to do it along the lines of the Euro NCAP stars. So you do these things, you will, your car will get these stars when it comes to cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Now, the key for me here is making people understand, because people don't do that in normal life, why cybersecurity is important, what it actually means to them individually, because a lot of people don't. Even even though we know not to click on links and things like that, we people still do that in emails. So it's understanding the level, the different levels, and what it means, particularly as cars are more connected. And there's well, there's talking about autonomous vehicles in here, but let's just ignore that. Just um, the move on. Come on, there's only so many triggers we can well, have in the one flaming story. But there are advanced driver assistance systems, which obviously are something that we do think are good and useful if they are in, if they are correctly written and implemented properly so i think this will help as long as as long as the people the general public can be educated in this and it's not just a case of we're throwing out yet more stars and numbers and things and people just go oh i don't care what's the i, I think that now. the rating so i think what you're trying to say is that whatever the final rating system is it does need to be clearly managed and explained yes 
So is this a three padlock car or a five padlock car? Something like that. Because if yeah. you look at how white goods have had that rating installed and there has mm. been lots of lots of uh, kickback on that, even though it looks sensible. A lot of kickback saying, oh, it just confuses people and all the rest of it. There is always going to be a certain amount of people don't know what it means. So it's it can that be easily explained and educated to them? Oh, come That's on, the, the white good the white goods one, it's got colours and it goes from A is good. No, I H I know that. Bad. I know what uh, it means. Not but there's there's bleeding there rocket is, science. No, I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. It shouldn't be. But pe- there has been I've seen lots of articles about people saying, Oh, it's far too complicated, it's blah blah blah. When it just pe- means that people need to take some time and read things. But so that needs to be appreciated when whatever the system is is implemented. There, yes, uh, and but people have to remember that there is only a certain amount of stupid that you can accommodate. Yeah, people have a personal responsibility, which yes, sometimes society forgets. Yes, <laughs> so I, I think this is good because ne- vehicles are becoming more and more like just just mobile networks. Uh, and and you know integration's awesome, and those of us who love technology and love using stuff and having it all work together, um, it's fab. But we do have to also make sure that the that you're all working together is adequately protected uh, as well. It, it's like the old days where everybody would have computers without virus protection and not take backups and and uh, and not have. Um, not have firewalls installed. Yep. It it scares me now to think that we used to just like plug into the internet through a dial-up connection with nothing between you and the internet. It's crazy, huh? Uh, you wouldn't even consider doing it today. Yeah, it's crazy now. But then we were naive, mm-hmm. young, fresh-faced, and, and, and we hadn't and people gone across firewalls. horrible people as much. Yeah, and it all you know firewalls seem scary, and that's essentially what you're doing uh, with this is is just putting in putting in firewalls uh, into a vehicle. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does anybody help? Anybody the help modeling and making us. pictures? <laughs> yeah, I did a little bit of work on this uh, a little while ago. But, yeah, there is a standard model for it, by the way. Not that anybody cares, but there is a standard model for vehicle system integration in SysML. There you go. There's nerd corner for tonight. <laughs> some of our listeners will be very happy about that. Some of our some of our listeners will get that about four. <laughs> Right. Should we talk about technology and something? Yeah, talk to us about detection that isn't detection. So we've just talked about, you know, uh, we've just talked about IT security and the importance of this uh, and smart use of technologies uh, for all the right reasons. Here's something really stupid, everyone. Some police forces are going to put up signs that uh, will show a picture of a square thing that is definitely not an iPhone uh, with inside a red circle with a red line across it, red strike through to tell people to stop using technology as they drive past. Uh, and the idea of this is admirable, I guess. It's to, to stop drivers using their telephone as they're going along. Say, look, we know you're using your telephone and flashing at them, which would be brilliant. If it was, if it, by some means of magic, could tell that it was the driver that that was doing it. Uh, what's actually going to happen is that is that as vehicles go past with any kind of three G, four G uh, linked 
2G as well, linked tele linked sort of radiation signal signal pulse going, the signs will flash. So it doesn't matter if the driver is using the phone, which is bad. Uh, if it's a passenger using a phone, which doesn't make any difference whatsoever, if it's the vehicle, it's the vehicle itself telematics sending out a signal. Oh. Any of these, the ruddy thing will flash all the time. Well, it might not be telematics; it could well be. Yeah, that, be you know, other tracking. You're like me. Yeah. You're streaming. Your associated no. partners. Oh, shut up and put your tinfoil hat on. <laughs> if it's if it's you know you've got your phone plugged into is streaming music through your stereo in a completely safe and legal way, or controlled by the stereo, should you need to do that but hopefully you won't then it will flash these things cost about six thousand pounds each they're going to be trialed and deployed by certain police forces they're saying thames valley and hampshire uh, who are going to be some of the first to have said it will not be used to enforce phone driving laws which is just as well because any lawyer have a field who's day. worth giving any money would just absolutely ransack this but it should be used for for, mo- for to educate motorists, but anyway, I, I have a problem with that. Okay, for, I think they. I realize, don't understand what it's educating. I'm sorry, it, it, just the whole thing's stupid. I think they realise that it's not going to actually spot if some, it's it's more there to uh, try and shame people. That's hmm. what they're trying to do. But the problem is because it's going to go off all the time by the car, a passenger, or the driver depending on what use of the phone, hmm. then people will become blind to it and it won't it won't shame anyone. No one will know. It would be like car alarms going off in a street now. People it's don't just, pay any attention to them. It, it, it's just more annoying street furniture to be yeah, perfectly it's, it's just uh, More distraction uh, yes, for the driver. Absolutely. Why did you crash? I was trying to work out what the flashy light was. Yeah. Was it something I'd done was bad? Something I'd done was good? Because if they tell you you're under the speed limit, that's a good thing. You know, what was it telling me? <laughs> Yeah. Will, will they come up and go, oh, if there isn't a circle, hey, you've not used your phone, well done. <laughs> well done. You get a bonus nice person point. So uh, it's misguided on pretty much every level, this. Yes, it is. Right. Talking of detection. L- l- last one before guilt minute, everyone. Yeah. Just, just warning you, just, just so you know. Talking of detection. Uh there will be, or there has been installed, average speed cameras on a portion of the A543 in Denbyshire, leading from, I believe, Denby through down to the A5 section of the Evo Triangle, because the Welsh government has given £500,000 of investment to improve safety in the this area of Denbyshire and Conway, Conway County Borough Councils, uh, because speeding around on the Evo Triangle is such a horrific thing that happens. Now, first of all, well done everybody who's been a total burk and driven like an absolute moron on there where they feel they need to be paying attention to this. That is irrespective of how much the North Wales police focus on speed rather than anything else. And Andrew is not berating you for 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 necessarily speed related things, just being aggressive or Yes, you've you've caused incidents which has made people investigate this, which they then said, Oh, speed's the problem. 
So we'll cut speed. When it's, say speed speed is not the problem here. It is idiocy is the problem. <laughs> there has been apparently four deaths between 2012 and 2017 or 2018 around the area of the Evo Triangle. Now, I don't know, and it only occurred to me late on tonight, whether these deaths were actually speed-related or because of someone speeding or whether it just happened to be other other issues because the way some of the stuff has been worded in press releases and in articles, it could possibly be that statistics have been chosen to in, enhance certain arguments. It's it's a bit weaselly is what you're trying to say. Yes, it? but it but that's that doesn't matter because they're installed now and it is national speed limit along there. Uh if they haven't actually brought it down to fifty mile an hour, which I know they were talking about. There's there's a couple of things from this. First thing is this will just move people out to drive if if silly people are driving silly, they'll continue to drive silly. They'll just drive silly somewhere else. And they'll just get pushed further and further out onto roads that are even less suitable for it around there. And there are many roads that are less suitable to drive fast. Uh Also, the other thing is you don't need to speed along those roads to have a good time. Doing the speed limit and less than is, is utterly brilliant on those roads, which is why they have been chosen as a certain set of roads to get a full feeling of how a car responds and it yeah. wasn't because people were doing 100 mile long, an hour along those roads. It's because they were doing no more than 60 on those roads and they felt epic. Mm-hmm. So this is not Evo's fault because I know I know a lot of the politicians just go, oh, it's Evo's fault. And it's not. It's it's people being darn right stupid. And they're the sort of people that have meant the politicians think, let's stick in limiters. Well, it's an easy solution to a difficult yeah. question because you only ever choose you only ever choose one dimension to deal with if you're political right at the minute. Yeah. Well done, everyone, for uh, ruining that. I've never driven the Evo Triangle. I'll take you on roads near there that are better. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, that's one of the comments in that motoring research article. It'll be linked in the show notes. It says uh, it's just as well there are no other roads in Wales, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. That brings us rather neatly to Guilt Minute, that point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth for you. If it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. And, of course, if you're already a patron, if you've already done that, then thank you so very, very much. Uh, We understand not everyone has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback by the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all of that, well, then you totally are a hero. Uh, how's about accosting a friend uh, who you think would enjoy this, or even if you think they wouldn't enjoy this, uh, and <laughs> subscribing them or telling them all about us and what we do. Uh, also, don't forget that you can subscribe yourself if you use a podcast player. And if you need help choosing a podcast player uh, and subscribing, then do let us know. Uh, then if you do that, Sorry, I didn't know if the wording in this has changed. Uh, if the in if you do it that, has. then we can show you how to. Yes, it's this big words for free have appeared in the middle of it, which I wasn't expecting as a talking point. Um, yeah, we will help you do that, and you will get every single show ping straight to your device. Warning: devices might not actually go ping. Yes, there's been research that's recently come out uh, in the last week about um, podcasting and why some people feel that. 
asking people to subscribe is perhaps incorrect because the the feeling is that if you say subscribe, then money is involved right. in that. So it is to emphasize no, 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 that no, to subscribe free. on a podcatcher, which are free, there are good ones for free. The subscription is free. For you can get us for free via a podcatcher of choice. Are you going to go through this and put the words for free in about every second sentence? No, no. But you I'm just need to remember you. to say it next week. Yes, I will do. I just won't get caught out by it halfway through the text. I, that I didn't to mention to you before. <laughs> don't forget we've got stickers as well by the way you can buy stickers from us yes go to motionpodcast.com inside and outside stickers <laughs> yes and I have to post some off actually hmm. which I apologise profusely it's taken me a little while Formula E Formula E uh, as I said last week in fact as I stumbled through and didn't say last week it should have been Bienvenuti Roma in a hopefully more Italian accent than that, because yes, Formula E were in Rome last weekend. I confess I didn't get a chance to see the race because I was busy doing stuff. You didn't get a chance to see the race because you were busy doing stuff as well. Yes, But it was the seventh team and seventh driver to win or something. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it was the... I shouldn't have said the or something at the end. The first... <laughs> The first win of the season for Panasonic Jaguar Racing. Yes, and, and more and importantly, the first win in Formula E for Mitch Evans. So congratulations yes. to both the driver and team. Because exactly. apparently, according to the E-Racing 365 article, which will be linked in the show notes as ever, as will highlights that I have not had a chance to watch, as will, as ever, the yeah, um, post-racing notebook which is excellent uh, because there's, there's actually a ton of information in it this time because there's okay. lots of future stuff going on in the background. So do do read that if you're interested in Formula E. But um, apparently uh, Mitch uh, Evans pulled a late-breaking move on um, Andre Lotterer, who was, fr- who was leading from pole, with only a quarter of the race uh, left to go, or a third of the race, sorry, left to go, and then managed to keep in front all that way including failing to hit his uh, attack mode the first time he or second time he tried to activate it when uh, Lotterer was within his attack mode. So it, it made it really tight and hmm. interesting. But yet again, there was a red flag. And I'm not surprised looking at one of the corners that kept being pictured up against some of the ancient architecture. That looked like it was hard enough to fit one car through, let alone more than that. I mean, that did look a bit silly. I reckon we're going to see some changes for next year's circuits. Slightly bigger corners and wider tracks. Slightly bigger and wider. Now, the trouble is that the cars can't go any faster. Hmm. Okay? The challenge is the cars can't go any faster because if the cars went any faster at all they would need full on-site hospital and medical and constantly running helicopters and all these things that happen for Formula One. And Formula E just can't go there. There is, If the cars go any faster, there is a significant step change in the complexity involved in actually running the sodding thing. And the cost, so, God. The cost, uh, yeah, it just goes whee through the, through the roof. Uh, and if, but are they also yeah. constrained as well because they like to use roads? Uh, that that there has is a certain a amount. Width, 
issue there so they have to be i mean i think that's why to, to possibly an extent, the Dockland, depends which road you choose Dockland for london is going to be possibly a good choice because that won't have as much public road oh, that they're using no exactly but some of it is service road as well which isn't which isn't isn't very wide at all mm. oh just just to round this up sorry by the way um i've actually got one more thing to talk about if we're going to round it up so you keep saying your round up okay i'll say my well, round up van dorm started in third and finished in third so he, he came home uh for the uh, hwa race lab squad so mm-hmm. well done for to, to van dorm so it's every race this season has had different people on the podium which has been brilliant I just mm-hmm. wish they could ditch the red flags. That's becoming quite it's tedious becoming as quite a viewer for people. Mm. Uh, the thing I was going to mention was that Porsche released a video this morning about their Formula E entry in a tweet mm-hmm. from Porsche UKPR, and I now cannot find the video that they used, so that you can link it in the show notes. Was it uh, but- Brendan Hartley doing a test? No, it wasn't. It was all more like an advert. Oh, okay. No problem. It involved high bars and gymnasts and not knowing if you can go somewhere if you haven't tried and all these kind of mm. things. Because Mark Webber was in Rome and he was talking a lot about Formula E and now it looks cool and mm-hmm. the cars look look much better now and, and the racing looks much more interesting and fun. So Porsche are really ramping up their uh, announcement to being in the series, I think. They really are. I mean, it, it's uh, of course Formula E still has its detractors. Some people don't like the fact that there is the social media fan boosty type thing, and the red flags are not not helping. No. Uh, and the fact it can be a wee bit bumper car-y as well. Yes. Um, yeah, there are, there does seem to be perhaps an inconsistency in penalties being. There always has been. It's been a bit, as far as I'm concerned. It's been one of the the biggest issues with Formula E right from from the start was the fact that people would win a race and then an hour later they hadn't won a race. Um, well, well to be to be fair, Mitch and, uh, Evans' car is still under investigation now. They've had to, they've had to send a bit of it off. <laughs> yeah, one of the front wishbones had to be sent off to the FIA to compare it with the specimen one uh, that was used in uh, load and wind tunnel testing. So, uh, so that if somebody may, that may all change, I hope tweet. I hope something like that doesn't take it away from him. No, because that's that's really annoying. I mean, that's as bad as Lucas Degrassi's underwear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, lunchtime read. Uh, yeah, this one's one for you. <laughs> to be fair, you did pick this out last week when you saw that it was tweeted by Ed Niedermeyer, who we have mentioned many times. We need you need Ed. Sorry, I'm going to say this out loud on the show because then it commits you to it. You need to ask Ed on review. We are discussing it in the background. Good. I'm sure you are because I know that he's he's offered in in the past. So. Yes. No. I I can't wait to get him on and chat hmm. because he, I think he writes in such a balanced way as well. He is very upfront about his Not prejudices. Everyone thinks that, yeah. Well, but yeah, no, I yeah, I have seen the tweets and everything, particularly if the Elonites get involved. Mm. But this article itself is a perfect example of that because he does declare his own bias and his own um, ways that he perhaps is not looking at it as fairly as it needs to be, because he's calling out the author. Well, he's calling out a paper from MIT 
on their autonomous mm-hmm. vehicle technology, which only seems to include Tesla. So I don't quite know how that one works. And it's written by Lex Friedman, who is very happy to block people if they ask him a question about things in a very adult manner. He's not in for discussion, is he? No, without without people having a go or calling him anything, he just just blocks for Britain or America, really. He's very happy mm. to do that. And well, free that, month, anyway. That, that includes fellow academics as well as journalists. So <laughs> I don't quite understand that. In in this article, this is it's a bit of a lengthy article, but it's it's excellent read. Ed Niedermeyer discusses the elements of the MIT paper that we should consider before we declare it one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And before we agree or start trumpeting the conclusions that were that were drawn on the back of the information they gained and how they gained it. Mm-hmm. Um, so please do go read that because this is the, this is the sort of reporting we need, particularly when it comes to autonomous vehicles. Otherwise, we are going to have horrific accidents on the road. So last week I had a vehicle with adaptive cruise control and a very competent lane keeping assist. As I was sitting with the adaptive cruise set at 50 in the 50 zone on the M1 down past towards Milton Keynes, between Northampton and Milton Keynes uh, and Luton and, and that kind of way. Then I was sitting there, both hands on the wheel, and I thought, you know, this is making this so easy and relaxing and keep it. And, you know, I'm actually having to occasionally wiggle the wheel to stop it telling me that I'm not holding on to the wheel that I'm holding on to, but lightly because it's making a nice job of this. Uh, and I thought, I can understand why people get really cocky about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's because there's one of the paragraphs here, which is pointing out that when there are accidents, it is generally. Where, so there's a quotation in the middle, and I think it's Elon Musk's submission, but it's when there is a serious accident, it is almost always, in fact, maybe always the case that it's an experienced user. And the issue is, what, more one of complacency, like we get too used to it, that tends to be more of the issue. Sorry, he's obviously speaking and working it as it goes along because he starts to sound like me. But, uh, well, not quite. No, no, Alan. No, no, you never sound that bad. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I do. Um and I, I could feel that you could get very, very used to this. I start to see where the psychological point of view of the owner comes from. When you're sitting there, the system is very smooth and very competent and slowing you down and speeding you up. Uh, and after a while, you could start to think, well, I might as well just check Twitter or whatever. I'm not saying I did because I didn't. Well, th- there are studies that have that have... Um, been undertaken and are continuing to be undertaken about how quickly we come to trust the technology. It's worked once, yeah. it's worked twice. Oh, it'll always work. That yeah, sort yeah. of attitude. And we quickly get into that habit. And it's because uh, I know a lot of companies are looking at this from test driving hmm. point of view because they need the test drivers to be on the ball the entire time. I think we saw this this with the the Uber incident, yeah, the Uber exactly. crash. Uh, I think this is a prime example of that. The lady was watching something on her phone. Yeah, there are questions about how 
well she was trained as well and things like that yes but but it's yes still... she's she's driven a few times and gone this would be fine so it's okay for me to look at whatever i'm looking at or whatever she was at the time and mm-hmm. and this is the danger and these are the dangers with things like level three that's being proposed i mean because we're only talking level two here which is essentially glorified cruise control it's basically what i was driving yeah it's it is adaptive cruise control and it generally keeps you in the lanes on on specific yeah, roads yeah, as well yeah. not all roads just very specific well lit no, so well marked main motorway dual carriageways mm-hmm. but level 3 is oh you can you can go and do something else while the car's driving and then it'll turn around and go then it'll turn around and go oh just take over will you please um, what we're going to do is recommend that if people have some time at lunchtime, we have absolutely not discussed the whole article. In fact, we've gone terribly off on a tangent. Do read it if you're interested in this kind of thing. It is very interesting and it is nicely balanced because Ed's very good at pointing out what his prejudices are and understanding what his prejudices are. It's, it's a benchmark are. for the sort of reporting we need on this, on the new technology that's coming in for me. Yes. Anyway. List of the week, yes, because this this is a bit more frivolous. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a bit. I don't know what you guys are like, but I am really quite bad for playing not so much fuel like roulette, but range roulette with my cards. I, I am preparing for our electric future, and therefore I am not scared of the bottom half of of the fuel gauge. Uh, I don't know what what you guys are like uh, about that. Uh, I, I know that there's some people who just can't let it go below a third full, if even a half full. That is not me. Our mate, Motor Research, Gambraith Waitsmith, has compiled a list of the best and worst vehicles to drive with the fuel with the fuel light on. Now, can I quickly declare a, a slight interest in this? Because I have never really tested it with my car. It will get down to a range. I think my car at the minute is showing the range counter is showing 23 miles and the red light is not on Ooh. yet. The fuel light normally comes on at about somewhere between 15 and 25 miles is that short in mind. But on the other hand, I know I have driven about a mile and a half past it reading zero on that same gauge. I don't really know quite how far I can go. However, the best car or the worst car listed here can do 32 miles with the the range light on, with the fuel light on. And that is a BMW M3, supposedly. The Kia Picanto will get you 0.1 of a mile (laughs) further, and the Fiat 500 will get you you five miles further than that with 37.1 miles. Uh... After that, you're into so it's a real mix of whether it's an economy car or a or mm. a rip snorter, uh, a mini thirty seven point five, oh. a Shogun thirty eight point two. Ah, oh, says Andrew, I'm still fond of that car, very fond. <laughs> Jaguar XK John Deere make things less agricultural than the Shogun. A Jaguar XK thirty eight point four Citroen. Oh, they don't make those anymore. Um, Citroen C one thirty eight point eight. Peugeot 108, 39.1, blah, 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 Ford Fiesta 41. Um, at the other end of the scale are the ones that will get you the furthest. Some impressive ones here. There really are. So uh, Mazda 6, 63 miles. 
A Range Rover Sport 63.4. I'm, I'm impressed must, with that. That must have about the same size of tank as the entire GRMN <laughs> tank. So say, I, I spent the week with an EV that has a longer range than my petrol car. Okay. Um, E-Class 64 miles, genuinely. Uh, Prius 66, 5 Series 68, blah, 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 blah. Uh, V4 by V40, 70.1. And the winner was a Volkswagen Passat with 75 miles with the fuel light on. That, I just, just couldn't do that. Um, Supposedly in 2011, uh, Passat 1.6 TDI Blue Motion set a Guinness World Record for the greatest distance driven on a single tank of fuel, covering 1,581.88 miles in Croatia. Mm-hmm. Not bad. I am impressed with that Range Rover, though, doing that there sport. Aye, that's on the red light. It yeah, it probably costs you £300 you pound that to comes fill on up the anyway. First third, well, it's all right. We've got miles and miles. They'll, they'll go ages mm. on a tank of fuel, Range Rover. No, that's a good list. Good listening. It's good to have Kevin back. Because they don't move. But the and finally. The, and finally, yeah. Sorry, that was the best list of the week you could find this week. I thought it was quite funny. Uh, the and finally. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Although we're grappling for one of these. So if anybody has any good suggestions for an and finally next week. So, Alan, how would you like to save £1,800 a year? Possibly. Possibly. Somewhere. Well, I could. Possibly. Well, Possibly say I reckon save. they can help us. Uh, I would dearly love to. <laughs> By yeah. selling us a £185 in-car coffee maker. It's £185 in-car coffee maker, right? The Hand Presso, which comes with two glass coffee glasses. You and a friend. Italian style. And is powered by 12 volt, yeah. It will take a mere three minutes to dispense 50ml of French, fresh quality espresso. The thing is that if you're comparing this to the cost of buying a second-rate Costa at a motorway service station, it is always going to be cheaper because you're you're making it with your own, you know, with ground coffee. You can be a bit more expensive with this, and instead of using ground coffee, you can use capsules from a well-known Swiss company, possibly, possibly advertised by George Clooney. Yeah, which. Costs more, but will make significant. You know, I don't even want to think what it would be like spreading coffee grounds across the inside of my car. But I actually quite like these. I love, I love the idea of one of these. What? You're Genuinely, mad. I do. Yeah, if it wasn't one hundred and eighty-five quid. If it was sixty quid, I might well have one. I get so sick of rubbish coffee when you're traveling. Though you, you don't have this issue, but some of us just get absolutely heartily sick of rubbish coffee <laughs> truly you're just looking at me as if i'm a nutter so yeah, that may well be the case but but to be honest i wouldn't be doing this it really is first world problem yeah. yeah but it took some time today before i got anything approaching a decent coffee and even then i'm sort of still dubious it wasn't that great and you were at home. I wasn't. <laughs> I know I'm joking. <laughs> no, home. You know what the coffee's like in this house. You have consistency at home, I yes. understand. I do. The, the coffee in this house dissolves the spoon, really, doesn't it? <laughs> I think that's pretty fair to say. Right. I think that's about it. That's no? about it. Parish notes. Uh, we didn't get a special edition out last week because... I, I, I left the file on the wrong computer. 
It's not my fault. So it'll be out this Friday. Am I committing yes. you to something? Yes. No, no, so it'll be out this Friday. Um, so that should be fab. Next week, we will be a day later. I have to get back from the old country. And let's face it, there's not going to be that much news over Easter weekend. So uh, it will be it will be one day later next week. It'll be we'll be recording on Wednesday night, so it should drop on Thursday morning. Correct. Yep. Excellent. Just say that should round it up. So don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, don't forget our Patreon, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please do leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. As I say every week, it really, really uh, does matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you'll find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and ask, how did you allow so many triggering articles to let Andrew go off on one, then another, then another? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Twitter as ever, where I'll point out that I actually removed a couple of them. Because there were more. <laughs> uh, uh, on Twitter, I'm at AJ. P. Bradley. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.